Welcome everyone to Overcome Podcast. This is episode 57. And today um, we are going to talk with uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Champion, multiple times, uh, a lot of accomplishment. But uh, one of the things that really brought me to invite this guy for the show is uh, his journey through uh, some major injuries that I, I'm very, very curious to see how he is doing and everything. So welcome to the show, Cody at Fields. Thank you, Yuri. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely, Kodiak. Thank you very much for uh, making the time for this. And just to, to, to get started, I went to your website, and it's quite amazing, the, all the accomplishments. Two times World Master Championship, two times No Gi World Champion. I mean, it's a huge list of uh, accomplishments. So congratulations for that amazing journey. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's just in black belt. Yeah, so that's some... just in black belt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I had a, um, a nice run of color belt too, but you know, the, the thing with what, once you get your black belt, we don't really talk about the color belt accomplishments anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I noticed that. I noticed that. Uh, just like the, those, those are just black belt. I, so my, my brown belt, my purple, they're in a nice, beautiful case, but they're, they're no, they're no longer displayed in my, in my office. Because you know we, we just look at what what have we done recently, right? Yes. That's that's the most important thing. Absolutely. And um, when did you start? How many years ago? I started in October of two thousand and eight. So you already start after thirty, when you were oh yeah on your thirties. Yeah, and 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 when I started um, within the first month, I was competing. And I competed as both an adult and a master. So when I went to tournaments, I would go in and compete in both divisions, both adult and masters, both gi and no gi. If they're basically, when I went to a tournament, if I was allowed to compete in that division, didn't matter what it was, I would do it. So I competed as much as possible. But did you had any martial arts experience before jujitsu? I did. Um, I, I came up in Taekwondo. So as a young teenager, my parents put me in TKD to um, assist with some bullying that was happening in my younger years. Mm-hmm. And uh, needless to say that, uh, that <laughs> within the first year of uh, training Taekwondo, that bullying stopped. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but that's my my competitive martial arts career started within Taekwondo. Okay, so you already had that competitive uh, vein in you before you even joined Jiu Jitsu. Uh, that I had a competitive vein in me the moment I came out of my mother's womb. So I I, <laughs> I was always competitive. There that I, mean, I don't remember a time when I wasn't. Now of course, uh, you know it's. There have been waves, right? Yeah. Uh, intensities, but but I've I've always been a rather competitive person. That's that's just how my family is. We're we're, yeah. You know, I I come. My, both my parents were competitive athletes, and and so it, it's it's really safe to say it, being competitive is ingrained in my DNA. Uh, you are in a great shape, uh, and it looks like you always be in a great shape. Is that a fair assumption that you always be in a great shape? You never had problems with weight or anything. I mean, it uh, depends who you ask. If you were to ask my coaches right now, they would say that I'm definitely overweight, and I agree with them. So, 
no, I've I've had some issues with my weight. Um, when I when I started jujitsu, I was a 260 pound power lifter, and then within the first year, I cut down to about 215 of lean mean muscle, which was uh, which was great. Um, but you know, I I celebrate with food. I commiserate with food, which means I don't have the best relationship with it. Mm-hmm. And the um, a direct result is that my weight will yo-yo. So currently, I'm sitting about 17 pounds over where I need to be in order to be at what what you know I would deem my my peak performance. So that means that I'm yeah I'm overweight right now, and it's you know it's okay because that's part of you know my process. It's part of what the roller coaster yep. of how how I. I celebrate with food, and there's a lot to celebrate right now, Yuri. Yeah, absolutely. So, life is great, and so I've been eating very, very well. Uh, I love, I love Wagyu. Um, A5 Wagyu steaks are just amazing. The the restaurants in in Miami, to be honest, I've never had a bad meal in Miami. The fine dining here is just delicious. It's and it's plentiful. So I have overindulged. And you, However, and you competed on super heavy or heavy. So I started competing at super heavy, and then I've gone between ultra and super depending on what was happening with my weight. Okay. My first year at black belt, I competed as a super heavy, and then I started to pack on some weight, and not just by eating, but because I was lifting again. Mm-hmm. And if I look at weight, I put muscle on. I just have that body type. So when I start lifting it, I, I put lean muscle on really quick, and um, I, 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 you know, I didn't see the benefit of dropping weight and losing the muscle that I built. Yep. And so I, in plus, I'm faster and just as strong as the 300 pounders that I fight in the ultra heavyweight division. Plus, my technique's better. So technique's better. I'm faster and I'm just as strong. Bring on the heavy boys. I'll take them. Right. But when you won the World Master 2020, you were in the uh, heavy, super heavyweight, right? Division? No, sir. I was an ultra heavyweight. Oh, you were ultra. Okay. Yeah. So I, um, so I had, uh, I got three submissions in that division and then um, three submissions and a closeout. So I submitted my first three opponents and then I closed out with uh, my teammate, Victor Doria, mm-hmm. in the, um, in the, ultra heavyweight division and then he and i went into the open division where we met again in the finals oh wow we closed out again nice. so yeah yeah it was awesome so we um so that it's it's an amazing feeling to meet your teammate and brother in the finals of a world championship yeah. and um you know there were moments where we thought we were going to fight we were you know there, there was a debate going on um but it was uh, pretty simple um the previous time we met in a world championship was in Nogi, mm-hmm. where I gave him the world, uh, gave him the the title, uh, so I gave him the win there. So the next one was my turn, mm-hmm. and then and, and the great thing about it is I told him like, look, you're we're gonna close out now, but I'm gonna meet you in the open finals, and he was exhausted, right? <laughs> and I'm like, Victor, we're we're taking the open too, and he goes, okay, all right, fine. So it was much easier for him. To pay me back with the with the the final uh, gold medal in the ultra, because of the thought that hey it's coming back and it was it's so awesome when we're on opposite mats 
and we're we're coming off the mat cheering for each other's victory yeah. and just going back to the bullpen and getting pumped up and um and it was it, it's amazing experience when you put that much time and effort behind accomplishing a goal mm-hmm. and you're able to do it with your dear friend at the highest level of jiu-jitsu uh, just an amazing experience was that year you believe your best year uh, in your jiu-jitsu journey as far as how you felt physically and everything i i would say that yet yeah, uh 2020 was arguably my best my best competitive year uh based upon the um the accolades that were uh, achieved right So, and in my my jiu-jitsu at that time was was on point. And um yeah, so I think it's accurately to say that my game felt amazing and unstoppable. My my the accolades proved just that. And in it, you know, it it was the and I also earned the number one world ranking in that year. So, you know, all of those things combined. Yeah. Great year. It was a pretty good yeah. year. <laughs> so when you look back, what do you think that you did right as far as, you know, keeping yourself healthy, uh, injury-free? Uh, how often were you training? Were you training every day? Were you taking some days for recovery? Why it was such a, a perfect year, you, you believe, when you reflect on that? So during COVID, I kept training. Every, every And... day now? So I don't train every day. I train at least five to six days a week, depending on how my body's feeling. Um, I always train at least five days a week. So unless I'm sick or injured, it's five days a week, minimum. During, and when, and during, just to clarify, when you say training, I'm talking about jiu-jitsu training, not lifting. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so I, I do five days of jiu-jitsu and three days of strength and conditioning. Okay. And strength and conditioning is is not what you know it, it used to be like um, like lifting heavy weight, mm-hmm. right? Uh, strength and conditioning for me now is uh, it's called Champion Fit, uh, run by uh, Coach uh, Maggie Grandotti, and she has developed a program which is specific to um, jujitsu. So it's practically applicable for our sport. It's hit training, so high intensity yep. intervals. The um, it's uh, that we have explosive days, we have mobility days, we have strength days, and so there's basically a program established for the goal. So you know, right now our team's getting ready for Pan Am six weeks out. So the um, we have a a program which is specifically designed for everyone that's competing at Pan Ams, so that we the, those athletes peak. Um, more importantly, we have ADCC, which happens next weekend, which is our pro team. Our pro team has a very specific program so that they peak, they hit their peak performance next weekend. And that's the benefit of having a professional strength coach on your team. You go and, and you establish what your goal is, and then she creates the plan. All you have to do is show up. Excellent. Yeah, that's great. And, and so, what about your diet at that point? Were you in a very lean diet? So um, my diet was about uh, functionality rather than lean. I was starting to come down. Uh, I was, uh, I had flirted with the concept of coming back to super heavy until I got the call to fight Tom DeBlass. Uh, Tom being a, um, a legend in the sport of jiu-jitsu and uh, a dear friend of mine, a called me and said, hey, you know what, uh, before this is extended, I wanted to, to get your thoughts and 
and make sure that we are on the same page with uh, expectations of how we're going to promote the event. And once we had that conversation, we uh, we determined that we were going to move forward with uh, with having that super fight. But um, with Tom, we knew that Tom wasn't going to play a stand-up game with me. He's not. That's not what he's known for. He's known to be a guard player. So we know that he would pull. And it didn't make sense for me to drop weight on somebody who was just going to play guard. So we actually, we changed my programming to be more strength-based and to pack on muscle. So I got up to 250 pounds to fight Tom. Wow. And But that, there was a purpose for that, right? Gravity and 250 pounds of pressure bailing down on top of them. Mm -hmm. That's why I won the fight because it's – it's a lot of weight to, to carry, especially when it's it's barreling down the whole time. It's relentless, just um, intense pressure. It's very difficult to, to stop something what like that. What was his weight at that time? Uh, he was in the, I think he was in the 230s at that point. He was in the upper 230s. We didn't weigh in for that fight officially because there was no, it was the unlimited weight class title that we were fighting for. Makes sense. But, uh, but I believe it was in the 230s because after the match, we were talking about doing a rematch, and his stipulation was it, it had to be no more than – I had to weigh no more than 235 <laughs> to make sure that, you know, I didn't have such an advantage in weight because in grappling, weight is an advantage. Mm -hmm. The promotion nor Tom, nobody set a cap, which was a mistake for them, advantage to me. So I just bulked up. It was a great strategy. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great strategy it, for sure. It wasn't mine. I, I have a coaching team that, you know, we, we develop our strategies together. And that was, um, that was actually Wagner Rocha. Wagner was the one that um, he was one of my main coaches for that fight. And Wagner was, um, was very insistent on, Hey, let's, let's stay big and let's stay strong and let's smash Tom. That was, that was the game plan. And, well, it worked. It worked. It worked for sure. It did work. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, when you announced, um, it was October 4th, 2021, because I have the post open here, um, where you talk about that you were having a hard time, not able to even walk or yeah. stand or even sit pain-free. Uh, it must have been horrible to not even be able to walk without feeling pain. Uh, and you said clearly here that this was the end of your competitive jiu-jitsu days, um, and then you went to the surgery. You look pretty, you look pretty healthy, uh, and uh, looked like you had a great recovery. So talk a little bit more about that recovery, how, how it was, and uh, sure. and and how you feeling right now. You still training jiu-jitsu? It's just a matter of you not able to compete, or are you still thinking that you're gonna compete again one day? So I, I'm not going to place a, um, an extreme on anything, right? I'm not going to say never or always or that's just – it's not how I roll, right? Uh, I did train this morning. I've trained uh, five days this week. So, I, you know, I'm back on the mat. I'm, I'm rolling at about 55 to 60% of my abilities. So it's uh, – I'm not in the pro training sessions because that's um, – I'm not ready for that yet. But um, but what got me here, I think, is is the most important aspect of this yep. is that um, I had a um, I had a double 
pars fracture, uh, spondy, and five degenerated discs with a, an impingement on my nerve. So basically what happened was my pars was fractured and the pars uh, keeps your vertebrae in place. That, that vertebrae was moving and started to impinge upon my nerve and that was causing numbness uh, into my right leg, which would then extend into my, my glutes and my lower back and then my entire lower back would start to cramp which would lead to the entire back cramping up, right? So it's basically it just it, it would just spread. Um, when uh, when I was diagnosed with this, it was my first year as a black belt, and at that point, uh, I hadn't accomplished a major tournament yet. And the uh, the spine surgeons um, told me that that jujitsu as I knew it was over, that I would not be able to compete again, that I needed the surgery immediately, and that um, that once I had surgery that the, 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 you know, there was no way I was going to be doing jujitsu the way that I knew jujitsu. And that, that was, um, that really angered me that somebody could take jujitsu away from me like that. And, um, at that point in, in my, my symptoms, I, I would stand for, you know, about a half hour before those, the onset would begin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it started again with the leg starting to go numb and then it would just, the, the longer I was on my feet, especially on a hard surface, for example, if I was standing on concrete or walking on concrete, um, the hard surfaces uh, seemed to increase my symptoms at a faster rate. And it was about a half hour when it started. But um, as the time went on, well, so then, uh, so then what I did was I told them to pound salt because uh, how dare they tell me that I'm not gonna do shijitsu, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, have yet, I haven't accomplished what I came here to accomplish. I wanted to win major titles. And I went home that night and I made a list of the titles that I was gonna win. In uh, Euros, Pan Ams, the uh, Worlds, I, and, um, and Fight to Win, right? Those were the big tournaments that, that, that I was gonna win. And so um, I made that list and- um, And just to be clear, started, that list was, you made that list in 2019 or 20? 2016. Oh, 16. Wow. So that injury is old. This injury actually happened a long time before that, but it it started to become something that I, I finally went in to get it diagnosed in 2016. It was right after I got my black belt. And so, um, so I made that list and I made jujitsu my priority. And I put everything else, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, I, I love my family, I love my career, but at that time, I knew that there was a clock on when I was gonna have to stop. Mm -hmm. That there was a, I had a very short time period on when I could accomplish this list. So I made that, that list the primary focus of my life, that's it, right? I've got these few years, and we didn't know how long it was gonna be, but we knew it was not gonna be a long period. And so I went out and the first year, uh, I did doubles, uh, I did a silver at Pan Am's and a bronze. I fought Godoy twice. Uh, I lost a ref decision in the finals. And then, um, and then I had uh, the, that year at Worlds, uh, I took a silver medal, uh, got knocked out of the open. The next year, uh, silver and bronze got knocked out. So it's like, I'm on the podium, I'm chipping away, but that, that gold medal, and in a major uh, was was eluding me 
Um, and then boom, I hit my first gold medal, right? And so I hit my first gold medal uh, the year before I moved to Miami. I, I hit that under uh, Roberto Travin um, when I was training in Atlanta. And then, uh, and then right after that, I joined Fight Sports when we moved to Miami. And so that's, that's when my career really started to take off because I was training with our professional athletes. Mm -hmm. And there is, there is nothing that I've never experienced the level of jujitsu that is here at Fight Sports Miami. The, um, it's family centric. It is, it's a very passionate environment. One of, uh, always looking to, um, always looking to help others. Like we, we focus on how, how can we, um, how can we help our fellow teammate? It's not about how can I get better? It's how can I make you better? Yep. And when you have an entire room of professional athletes with that same mindset, it just raises everyone yeah. up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, during our rounds, we're trying to absolutely kill each other. It, we're simulating murder. Literally, we're, that's what submitting someone is, right? You're going until they tap. When someone taps, they're saying that they cannot stop you from either killing them or causing serious injury. That's what a that's what a submission is. So we're simulating murder, right? And then when the round's over, big hugs, talk about what just happened, and then I'm on to the next one, right? And you like. Within that round, you literally want to kill that person, and then the bell goes off, and you flip the switch back. There's this is my friend. This is my this is my brother. This is my teammate, right? So there and is no so, such a thing as going easy. <laughs> uh, not in pro training. No, there's no easy pro training. It is it's a room full of professional athletes that are there for for one reason to to make their grappling better and we we don't make ourselves better by going easy on each other right mm -hmm. we go hard it's pohada right that's every round is pohada mm -hmm. so we um so i prepared for the to accomplish those goals by training rigorously five days a week minimum three days strength and conditioning keeping my diet on point meaning that i'm eating fuel which helps me to perform the best during training and um you know in uh, uh just as you, as you mentioned october 4th i i got hit with the the point that uh, i was preparing for the next tournament um my pain was so bad that i i couldn't i couldn't sit here and talk to you without my my symptoms being excruciating the pain uh, in at any point uh, got better like when you warm up when you were already into the thing did it get better or it was same thing so it's um, my my symptoms disappeared during jiu-jitsu really completely it's completely disappeared so you know when when I got warmed up and I got on the mat no issues until the very end the, the, I, and I, when I mean the very end I'm talking like the final weeks where, um, you know, the last day before surgery, I, I was in pro training and, and um, you know, I, I wasn't able to complete the warm-up because of my, my, my symptoms were just unbearable. And, um, you know, Cyborg uh, uh, grabbed me and he's like, you know, what's wrong? 
Uh, do you need to stretch? What you know, just being a good coach and leader and friend, trying to talk me through how we can mitigate what was taking place. And I just burst into tears. I'm like, I just can't do it. I'm in so much pain. And, and he uh, he looked at me and he's like, it's it's time, isn't it? It's time for you to go get your back fixed. And and that's you know that was the moment. It's like, okay, that's it. Um, now, fortunately for me, I was introduced to a man who um, who's already. Uh, who went through this this surgery, uh, Nick Babalu. And Nick had introduced me to his doctor. Nick was on the mat rolling at a high level within one year after surgery. And, and so through those conversations, he gave me hope that I could do the same. So when I had that, that day on the mat where I just, I, I surrendered to the fact that my my career was over um, and it was time for surgery, I went in and I, I, I had the surgery done. And so the, um, I woke up from surgery pain-free, now, no symptoms. Now, I can only imagine how hard for you it was uh, post-surgery sitting and resting for many days because I've, I had some surgeries as well and I know that the post-surgery for active person like you it's it's kind of traumatic uh, because you probably were missing training you you probably missing you know physical activity because you always yeah. been so active and it's not easy for you to be in the top of the podium winning a world championship and suddenly you are in bed unable to to do what you love to do so how was your uh, your mindset at that point uh, what what really got you through that uh, uh, and it gave you hope to see the other side. So it, it, it was I, uh, my physical therapy plan. And so I diverted my attention to what I was able to do, not what I wasn't able to do. And practicing the serenity prayer. I focused on the things that I could control. And what I could control in the beginning was the level of, well, I could control the activity within the parameters that were set. So for the first few months, the only thing that I could do was walk. That's it could only walk well Yuri I live on the beach mm -hmm. and I before the surgery I wasn't able to walk on that beach without being in excruciating pain I wasn't able to walk into town you know uh, uh, what's about a mile to walk into my favorite restaurants from where I live because of, I was in excruciating pain so I celebrated the fact that I could walk with my, my soulmate into town and have an awesome dinner and be pain-free. I could walk on the beach with her for hours and be pain-free. And so every morning I started it with walking on our beach path as the sun rose over the ocean. And that is extremely powerful. Yeah. It's invigorating. It's, it, it, it taps into the spirituality and it's like, when you watch that sun crest over the the ocean horizon man it's it's beautiful. there's nothing like it yeah, so it's beautiful and and i think that uh, the most important part is that you are feeling at that moment such a you know gratitude just for the fact that you are able to do something so simple but you were not able to do before exactly so i celebrated the little things and so what what i did was i had um I, I invested into the, the Fitbit so that I could track my steps and, 
And so I started to measure my KPIs and basically understand, okay, today I went a mile and a half uh, this entire week. Okay, next week I'm going to do two miles. And then the week after that, I'm going to do two and a half miles. And, and so, and I would do two walks a day and, and simply just keep building, you know, week over week over week and continue to increase the time that I was on my feet doing my physical therapy. And then I got released to do swimming and I, I was a former swimmer. So I invested in uh, form goggles, which are a, a really cool technology where you have a heads up display within your goggles and it tracks, it tracks everything. Nice. Every KPI a, a swimmer would want to understand is, is tracked within this technology. So then, you know, I had buddies who would rotate in and come and come swim with me. My jiu-jitsu brother would come and swim with me and soak in the hot tub and, and then start to, then I was cleared to start lifting some weights. And then, so I would add that to it. So it was like when these activities were added back into my physical therapy, it, I celebrate. Yeah, but you brought, brought a, a new a new motivation for you to keep going. You so you were actually seeing progress, right? Did you it, did you somehow gain weight uh, because you were not so active at that point, or did you actually lose weight? I don't think it was because I wasn't so active. I think that I was. <laughs> I know, I know that I was gaining weight because I was celebrating with food. The fact that I could walk to these restaurants. Yeah. And I was, uh, yeah, there was no dieting going on. Uh, uh, you know, your body needs calories to heal. I may, I may have overindulged, um, <laughs> but uh, it was worth it. Yeah. It was worth the experience. It was worth the celebration. Absolutely, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and how many months after the surgery did you go back to, you know? to 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 the to the mats to at least do some drills and things like that so my doctor cleared me for uh light training um uh six months after and and so the you know i i may have got into that uh a little uh a little uh i would i wouldn't say reckless but let's say this let's say that um that once I was able to do a, a full, uh, a full round, right. Where I could actually roll. Um, I, I started to pick it up real quick. So it started off as the first, when I got cleared to the mat, it was drills. I did drills, no resistance. And then I was doing my, my champ fit and, and cardio, but I really just wanted to, to focus on the jujitsu because you know, that's, that's my passion. Mm -hmm. And then within, and I told myself, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna take at least the first two months and just do drills. Well, that went out the window when we started to increase resistance and I'm like, hey, I'm okay, right? I'm doing good. Um, and then my knucklehead thought it would be uh, a good idea to go jump into the pro train. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so, The first week I came in to do pro training, at the end of that week, my entire back locked up. It scared the hell out oh, of me. Oh, goodness. It scared, uh, it scared me so bad, Yuri, um, that I had to recognize that I was doing too much too fast. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm so, glad you, you recognized that. <laughs> well, I didn't have a choice. My body was... Your it, body it, was like, it, stop. <laughs> yeah, 
hey, knucklehead, you're doing too much. It's it, We're going to, my entire back locked up and said, whew, you need to chill out. And and so so I did, and I met with my coaching team and my physical therapist, and and we we mapped a more detailed plan on my return to jiu-jitsu. So now it's, I only train in the, in the 6 a.m. group, right? Not, not with a pro team right now, just 6 a.m. I stick to champ fit at, at least two, if not three days a week. And then I do jiu-jitsu, you know, four to five days a week. And that's a good regimen for me now. Um, rebuilding my body, rebuilding it for the purpose of jujitsu, but just overall strengthening everything so that it's building blocks. So the next step would be then, you know, I'll start to trickle into the evening class, which is a little more competitive in nature. And then once I'm able to handle that class well, without having any, um, you know, offsets or, let's call it back backslides mm-hmm. in in my in you know muscle soreness or or anything that would lead me to believe that I'm overdoing it then I'll start to appear again in in the pro room but you know my, it's it's good to have waypoints yes. and, and that's what I have to recognize I can't go from 0 to 60 after surgery it just it doesn't make yeah, sense absolutely not absolutely not and, and and you're gonna be one year post-surgery in october right you did a surgery in october yeah. right last year that's it yeah so you you've been already doing pretty well because i remember when we start start talking you said that some uh, that's your friend got back into the mess one year after surgery so you already beat that number yeah i did <laughs> well actually he was he was back on the mat within six months as well. Um, but when I encountered him, it was at a year after surgery. And so when when I met Nick, he um, he was rolling at a super high level uh, a, a year following. So in essence, we're on the same timeline, right? We um, and, and uh, so you know, I, I I definitely I don't think I beat him in the recovery aspects. I, I think that you know he. He was the one that um, that really showed me the way. And but is he, he is he the same age as you? No, he's younger. Yeah, Nick's because younger. He, younger people heal way faster, right? Uh, people, I mean, I'm 47, and a lot of people say, "Well, yeah. age is just a number." Say, so, "Yeah, that's pretty cool to say," but the reality is, after 40, recovery gets a little tougher uh, when you were on your 30s. Yeah, you're right, and that that's why diet plays uh, a, a crucial role, right? So if um, we need to ensure that we're putting the right fuel in our body to stimulate recovery, because you know, to your point, at at you know, 46, I am not going to recover in the same timeline that I would, you know, or as a 25 year old. Yeah, and um, you know, that's uh, that that's. That's part of the process. We have to recognize that. We have to recognize that we're not going to bounce back as, as fast. We need to in, ensure that, you know, in addition to the fuel that we're uh, that we're ingesting, that we're getting enough sleep. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Sleep is sleep is the biggest thing that assists with recovery, and, and that's a big focal point for me. So I try to get at least eight hours of sleep a night if I can. Um, you know, if I get six, I'm good. Anything less than six, and I, oh, 
not, not a happy man. <laughs> do you do any other type of uh, recovery? There's a lot of uh, things going on nowadays, cold plunge, cryotherapy, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Do you do anything like that? I do. So my recovery, um, I, I have a, a physical therapist that uh, Dr. Hero uh, was my physical therapist throughout my recovery. And, and I saw him religiously, you know, three days a week uh, in the beginning, right? Uh, then it tapered off to once to twice a week, and we call those tune-up sessions. And so what I'll do is I'll go in to see Doc Hero, and it, we will just, we'll do an analysis of how my body's feeling, and he will address the areas that need to be addressed. It, it's truly a tune-up session. Following my tune-up session, I will typically do the Normatech boots, and then I will also do the cold plunge. And for me, the cold plunge, I turn that water down as far as it can go, and then I will stay in. If I can, uh, if I can do a full 20 minutes submerged, I'll stay 20 minutes. Wow, that's uh, a sometime. lot. Wow. Yeah, no. That's a lot. <laughs> Depends how sore I am. Uh, yeah, but then the other thing that I'll do is I'll do fives. So I'll, I'll do the cold plunge for five, I'll jump in the sauna for five, and I'll go back and forth for an hour. And, and so that, I, I found that to be more beneficial than the cryo mm -hmm. because of the, um, you know, uh, doing the compress of, of hot and cold, it, um, it, it really, uh, it, it gets that blood moving, which is what stimulates the recovery and, and flushing out that lactic acid. Now that you've been through this, as you said, you don't want to say never, uh, and, but you already also accomplished probably all the titles that you wanted to accomplish when you established that plan in 2016. There is anything that when you look back, you would say, I, there is this thing, this title here is something that I wish I could still do it. So... I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there isn't th there isn't anything on my list that I need to accomplish. That's great. However, however, <laughs> there, um, I, I'm very goal oriented. So, you know, just recently, just recently, I was uh, encouraged to throw my name in. <laughs> no, Gi Pan Am's is six weeks out. <laughs> I can't believe registration, it. <laughs> registration was about to close. It was at 95% full. So I got a message through our our uh, our team that, hey, it's 95% full. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, it's my birthday weekend. Uh, I, I, I like hanging out in Texas. It's a cool place to, to hang. So, you know, I threw my name in. Now, for me, I look at it as it's a training goal for me. If I had to make the decision today, if Pan Am's was this weekend, I would tell you I'm not ready, right? But in six weeks, could I be ready? I, I think I can. <laughs> so I may, um, it is a strong possibility that I will be- uh, In Texas. <laughs> I will be in Texas at Nogi Pan Am. Yeah. That is a very strong possibility. That would be nice. I'll go there to meet you because I live here in Dallas. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'll be cool. That'll be cool. Uh, wow, this is impressive. If you if you make this comeback at Nogi after this huge surgery, because I was looking to the picture that you posted, uh, 
and uh, I believe you still have those screws, right? They don't remove those screws from your back, right? That's right. Yeah. So that's like permanent. Yeah, yeah. I was, I, I was hoping that they could do those, uh, the t titanium, they could just do the rest of my body in it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not... Kind of like, like what they did to Wolverine, yeah. but you know... <laughs> Uh, I have screws on my foot that uh, I broke um, in 2020 during the Allstate Open. Um, it was during a takedown. I, it was a Lins Frank injury, so my foot broke right in the middle. So I had to put two, two plates and, uh, and screw in there. It was horrible. And that's why I started this podcast, because I was so depressed, unable to train and everything. I started interviewing athletes uh, just to understand the mindset. Uh, so when I... I saw your story and um, it was kind of sad when you said that uh, you were, you know, it was very emotional when you said that this uh, a realization that this will be the end of your competitive career. But then I started seeing uh, the progress post and I was like, oh, this guy is going to come back. <laughs> and there you go. So, my entire network has been saying that. Like you're really you're you're not done yet, are you? You're you're seriously gonna come back. I'm like, hey listen, I'm retired, leave me alone, I'm retired. <laughs> you know. What what and, is and your he, wife uh, uh position on that? Is she concerned that uh that this can actually yeah. affect you or she supports you all the way? So is that that I mean that's um that's obvious that's a, a very detailed conversation that we had about what what's my motivation, right? And my motivation for so many years was all about jujitsu and accomplishing the, the the very best that I could. And we used jujitsu as the catalyst for traveling the world, which was great. My my wife and I talked about okay, where 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 would I be putting myself in trouble? Like what what would be the worst case scenario? And and so like getting getting thrown off a stage, right? That that would get, that could be a pretty big issue. So events like Fight to Win, as much as I love them, it's an elevated stage. Yeah. And and I've almost gone off that stage a couple times in my fights. And so too dangerous. not worth it's way. Yeah. I've already, I already have two belts as much as I love. I mean, that's one of my favorite venues, uh, or favorite, favorite promotions to, uh, to fight on. It's just amazing. Uh, it just, it's not realistic for me. I, I'm not going to put myself in a position where I could, um, I could, I could get hurt yep. by, yeah. a, by going off a stage. Right. The, the other thing is like, um, like tournament, tur tournaments. Hey, excuse me. My 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 dogs are getting a little possessive. Um, so the uh, the the other tournaments where 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 slams are legal, right? Yes. So you know I would stay away from those. Um, IBJJ, you know, IBJJF is probably the safest one for you. That there you go. So that and that's why we identified IBJJF as the. the with me starting to flirt with the concept of, of actually coming back to competition, the um, we've identified that IBJJF is is a very safe environment for me to do so yeah. because the, the the athletes that go there are are there for a hobby. They're not there for a paycheck, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're in the masters division. No, nobody's going for you know belts or yeah. and, and and money. The, 
yeah right. i mean it's uh it's it's a completely different vibe yeah. I, I, I everyone that i compete against i for, for the most part i already know them. i'm friends with these guys mm-hmm. and and you know we're we're not we're not going out there trying to hurt each other now we're we're, we're going out there to win within the the con- confinement of the rule set yep. but um but the chances of me getting uh, or causing damage to my hardware and my back are are very low. Right. So, so yeah. So I have the um, the support of my my family. If I didn't, I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. If if you know Kelly were to say that you know she didn't agree with this um, with this next one, I you know I wouldn't do it. And, and that's it. She's always in my corner. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. My uh, my soulmate and I are always aligned, and when we're not aligned, there's there's a pretty good reason for that, and I, and, and I got to take a hard look at why we're we're not aligned, which typically means Yuri that uh, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. I have the I mean, same feeling. I've been married for 24 years, so I know exactly what what I mean. Oh, okay. So yeah, you you fully understand. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um it, it it's no secret to success. Yeah, mar- marital success is pretty easy. You have to understand, recognize when you're wrong, yeah. and then quickly vocalize it, and then life is good. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that that's the that's the the secrets for longevity. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Cody, I this was such an awesome conversation. I truly appreciate you taking the time to to talk and and. Uh, and bring your perspective on this because uh, there is a lot of folks that start late jujitsu, and they always feel like they are limited because they start late. And uh, and mainly for master folks that are trying to continue to evolve, you are a great example of someone that not only evolve after your forties and continue to 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 get better, but is now on this comeback. It's just outstanding. Thank you for for sharing your story. Oh, thank you for having me, Yuri. It's it's been a pleasure, and it's um for for anyone that's going through the the same type of difficulties, right? We we need to adapt and and not focus on the things that we can't do, but the things that we can, and keeping our mind sharp. You know, one of one of the things that that really kept me sharp throughout my recovery is studying. So I you know I studied my BJJ fanatics videos. I, I played a lot of chess, uh, so I would I would play with my friends who would come visit me. I would go and and hang out and play chess. I'd play chess online, but chess was the um, it, it allowed my mind to stay sharp in the strategies. Just like jujitsu is is we're we're playing chess with our bodies. So you know w- when we have these restrictions, whether it be physical um, or time or or you know anything that is roadblocking us, it, the answer is not always to to just you know give up yep. and get depressed. Even though that's easy to do sometimes, it's really easy to say, "Oh hell, I can't do what I love. I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna I'm gonna skulk in the fact that I can't do that." That's excuse me for saying, but that that's gonna put somebody in a really bad state of mind. And I'm here to, to, to tell everyone that you, you don't have to be there. Yep. And it's, it's our choice. Our mindset is our choice. So even though we're going through circumstances which are tough, we can choose to have a mindset of focusing on the things that we can control, focusing on what we have, be grateful for the things that we have. 
prime example, one of my dear friends, Ben Kunzel, suffered a, a uh, debilitating injury uh, where he lost all feeling in his legs and arms. Uh, so he went in for a fireman's carry and his, um, his spine, his neck was uh, dislocated and he was uh, immediate quadriplegic. Uh, ben, super high level grappler, brown belt instructor at Fight Sports, competed at every major event. Uh, awesome, awesome guy. And, um, and it completely just it interrupted his life. And now Ben is fighting every day, right? He's three months from post-op. He's still in a wheelchair, but he is he's continually to improve every single day. When I think about any difficulties that I've got up going on, I take a look at this man and I say, Ben every day gets up and he puts 100% of the effort into the things that he can control, his fine motor movements, that right there, that we take for granted He's focusing on this. He's focusing on his upper body strength where he can move himself from a wheelchair into his bed or into the couch. Or, and he's, he's striving for his physical independence. But his mindset is amazing. Yeah, his I, mindset yeah, I, is, it's everything. He's positive about every, how he attacks the day. He's positive about recognizing his 1% of progress that he sees. And it goes up and down. It's like a roller coaster for him where, you know, he'll get he'll improve in one area and then another area will start to decline. And so have to focus there. And it's it's not all sunshine and rainbows for this man. He he has true adversity that he's overcoming, but his mindset stays strong and true. And and that's the difference right there. So if I can do it and Ben can do it. Anyone who's listening, I'm telling you, you can do it too. It's all about your mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, I've been following Ben's story and I saw the video that uh, Cyborg posted uh, with his comeback to the gym. Extremely emotional. Everyone was yeah. there. It was beautiful. Um, so definitely a, a great story as well. And thanks for sharing that. Uh, but again, uh, I hope to see you in, in six weeks in Dallas. Uh, okay. If uh, if uh, if you go, I'll definitely be there uh, with my my teammates here. Uh, but uh, thank you very much, Koryak, uh, and keep up the great work. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, your days are not over, and uh, continue to create goals and sharing uh, gratitude. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Alright everyone, that's the, the wrap for today's episode. Thank you very much for your audience. Stay tuned. We have